0: Good morning, Goldmail, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans on the crust the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another fine, fantastic, fabulous, fiery sort of Friday morning for Torch Report 433, How to Destroy the Climate Narrative. Now, sometimes what we say is much less important than how we say it. And I want to get into this. It's going to be probably just a little bit longer conversation this morning, friends. This report was actually spurred by a recent conversation in which I was accused of being in denial of human-caused climate change. And so the question is... Am I in denial? Am I in denial? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I do know. But, you know, I want to I dig into it here just a little bit because it was a, a friendly accusation. It was a perfect example of of how two people can agree on lots of things but not necessarily agree on everything, right? And that's good, is it not? You know, it's good not to agree on everything. That's perfectly normal. It's even healthy for two thinking people to reach a point of disagreement and then reason together to kind of hash out their differences of opinions. And the results of hashing it out can really be one of three things. First, the discussion could, you know, rapidly devolve into an emotional mess where rational thinking gets tossed out the window and the two part ways in on unpleasant terms, right? That happens all the time. Uh, secondly, another result could be that the discussion really heats up, but both parties maintain their composure. They maintain mutual respect. And neither person is necessarily persuaded by the arguments of the other. Nothing really changes there, but the respect is there. Okay. The third result could be potentially that the discussion may be a little bit tense, but it's very intentional, and the relevant information is thoroughly vetted and thoughtfully considered, and both perspectives ultimately emerge a little more well-rounded, shall we say. <laughs> now, I, I like to say that you know I present the information for you to develop your own informed perspective, and... It should be obvious, obvious, you know, which outcome is most preferable uh, as which, you know, is similar, which is most common. It's most common for, you know, difficult discussion to devolve into emotional mess. What's desirable is that uh, all parties involved emerge with a more well-rounded perspective, right? That said... That said, I've, I've debated the climate crisis almost ad nauseum in life in general, but I have not specifically just dove into it in uh, in the Torch Report here. So today, I want to share with the audience, you know, I want to share with you guys a workable strategy to overcoming the emotional reactions that typically come up when you're talking about the climate crisis or climate change and all this kind of stuff. And and there's, you know, there are emotional reactions that come up on both sides of the debate. So, in order to win the hearts and minds of people, really what we need to do is learn to avoid the emotional mess at all costs, right? It's easier said than done, but it is essential. And the climate crisis being, you know, being that one agenda to rule them all, it's something that we're going to be coming up against over and over and over again. And if somebody says to you, are you in denial of the climate science? And no, I'm not in denial. You're in denial. You denier, you know, climate denier or whatever, you know, the ego starts screaming and the heart starts pounding. And, You know, it's delivering a massive dose of adrenaline as you prepare to fight or flight, you know, and the blood starts to rapidly recede from the prefrontal cortex and it shuts down the logical mind. Critical thinking gets interrupted. The conversation can really go no further. Welcome to survival mode, right? And we've all been there. We've been there many times. Uh, You know, we cannot effectively debate in survival mode. That's the problem. So, you know, that... I consider this to be a physiological fact. (laughs) You know, we can't debate in survival mode because, again, it shuts down the, the prefrontal cortex and all that. But it affects all of us really regardless of the conflict, the topic of debate. Arguing with a spouse or with a child or with a friend or even with a perfect stranger, it's always going to evoke this physiological response. But... With adequate awareness, with adequate mental discipline, we can learn to override the natural response and maintain a clear mind. So that's kind of how I want to come at it today. Uh, In all fairness, it takes time to practice the technique, you know, to learn and to practice the techniques of of overriding that impulse, uh, and that kind of goes beyond the scope of the report. But the purpose today is to destroy the climate narrative... (laughs) without immediately pushing the buttons that kill the conversation. Is that possible? Friends, I do believe that it is. It's tricky. Uh, It's very tricky, especially when we're debating climate change or, like, religion, any other religion for that matter, right? But before we get into this, I'm just curious. Have you ever thought about why? Why is climate change or religion such a highly contentious topic, you know? And if you think it through, you know, the reason is fairly obvious. It's because they both relate directly to survival. And because of this, challenging someone's belief about climate change or challenging somebody's belief about God, it, me- it immediately poses an existential threat. And that triggers the survival mode and the emotional mess that ensues. So if one denies that humans are causing climate change, they become an immediate threat to civilization, the future of humanity. Similarly, if one denies that Christianity is the only path to God, then it becomes an immediate threat to salvation. I hope you can see the similarities there, right, wrong, or indifferent. You know, we all encounter these reactions basically, you know, nearly every day, right? And the trick here. In having the debate without getting all emotional is to avoid the tripwires and try to establish a positive premise. And I want to kind of go through what that looks like. You know, am I in denial? More specifically, am I in denial of human-caused climate change? Hmm. Now how do I answer that? "Ah, Nope, that's not how I answer it. You know, the words are loaded with assumptions, are they not? Denial is a particularly strong word, right? Nobody wants to be in denial. Being in denial means being wrong. And nobody wants to be wrong, right? (laughs) So right off the bat, I would offer to reframe the question, do I disagree with the premise that humans are causing climate change? Uh, And before I answer that question, I'd offer the opportunity for a little mutual exploration. Are humans causing climate change? I mean, isn't that what we're really talking about? It's not me denying that. It's the question, is it actually happening? Now I realize that asking that question may make you know some people's heads explode, particularly if somebody is is heavily uh, conditioned into the climate cult, and there are definitely climate cultists out there. Not everybody that believes in climate change is in the climate cult, but you know, there's just been such heavy institutional indoctrination for so long, many people are. So they hear that question, are humans causing climate change? And their heads just explode. What do you mean? Of course humans are causing climate change. It's catastrophic triple planetary crisis and all this crap. So but to the rational mind, The question really shouldn't be a threat, right? So it's okay to be curious. It's okay to ask the question. And if it's not okay to be curious and ask the question, are humans causing climate change? If we can't ask that question, then something's off. You know, why cannot we ask that question? Why isn't it fair to ask that question? The question is, are humans causing climate change? That's a fair question. Now, those who believe that humans are cl- causing climate change, uh, they'd probably like to mock me right about now. What a silly, stupid question, Luke. Of course humans are causing climate change. They know the science is settled. Anybody that doesn't believe that humans are causing climate change is a freaking moron. Okay, So mock me as you may. Let me just try to qualify the question a little bit here. To those who believe, whether we're talking climate change or we're talking religion, to those who believe The answers are always obvious. We don't even need to ask the question because it's so obvious, right? And so the question, are humans causing climate change? It's roughly, it's like on par with something like, are we all born sinners because Eve was deceived by a magical talking snake? You know, that's a similar question. Friends, beware of the triggers. I threw that out there on purpose. Now, curiosity is our friend. Is it not? You know, curiosity keeps us humble. It keeps us open to learning. We should never be afraid to ask questions. Are humans causing climate change? Questions cannot hurt us, though questions may (laughs) at times sting the ego just a little bit. You know, if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask of God, says the good book. You know, are humans causing climate change? Really, there's only one honest answer only one are humans causing climate change the only honest answer is it depends on who you ask it depends on who you trust but most importantly it depends on who you ask and to deny that reality is to deny to deny reality itself you know you can't deny that the answer to that question are humans causing climate change is going to depend on who you ask and you cannot deny That different scientists have different opinions on this very contentious topic. Would you deny that there are many impressive credentials on both sides of the debate? Probably not, right? I don't think any rational person would try to deny these obvious realities. That different people have different perspectives. Different people are going to answer that different. Some of these people have really impressive credentials. I mean, that's just obvious reality. So I want to proceed here with the assumption that everyone can agree that the answer to whether or not humans are causing climate change really depends on who you ask. Is that fair? Is that accurate? Now then, Before I get into the meat of the matter, friends, there's one other uh, little issue here with semantics I think that we need to deal with. You know, are humans causing climate change? Climate change? Climate change? Of course, the issue is up for debate, but I want to point out that climate change, those are loaded words because the public has been so heavily conditioned to associate those words with a particular emotional response. So I think there's a few ways we might tease out some truth from the climate change uh, phrase there, you know. We could ask, are humans impacting the planet? Well, yes, absolutely, humans are impacting the planet. That's an undeniable and irrefutable truth, but it's not the same thing as climate change. Now, is the climate changing on planet Earth Yes, absolutely. You know, this is another undeniable fact, but it's not the same thing as man-made climate change. So what impact are humans having on the planet, and is this impact directly affecting and causing the planetary climate to change? Hmm. Now, if the answer to that last question seems obvious to you, I'd ask you to remain curious. Try to resist the urge to jump to previously held conclusions. The climate is always changing, is it not? The planet has endured innumerable cycles uh, that, that were both much warmer and much colder. Ice ages, tropical ages, and all that. Has it not? These are truths, right? So modern instruments that are used to measure and track these changes are relatively new. Climate science is relatively new, is it not? Friends, also one more thing statistical modeling based on data is notoriously flawed is it not okay that's a big one here so i'm just trying to set out some premise i think that everybody can agree on and the illusion of scientific consensus that all the scientists in the whole world agree and any scientist that doesn't agree is 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 a is wrong, okay? The illusion of consensus, that is a major threat to us all. That's what got us into COVID and all that crap. But by establishing the premise that the planet's cr- climate is constantly changing, that measuring these changes is a relatively new science, and that the data gathered and fed into statistical models can and often does produce erroneous results, if we can agree to that, then we find the rational basis for the ongoing scientific debate about the human impact on climate change. You follow me here? You know, it's it's okay to have the debate because depending on who you ask, you're going to get different answers. So let me ask you before we proceed here, has anything I've said been wrong or inaccurate? I want to know for real. So if you don't believe me, uh, I don't believe so. But if you disagree with that, let me know in the comments below. If anything I've said up to this point is not uh, is not conducive to rational thinking, if you think I'm in denial, then let me know, you know, but I don't believe so. So let's go ahead and turn our attention now to the debate itself. Are humans causing climate change? Again, I know some people are such a stupid question, right? But I'm just an ignorant peasant, but I'm an exceptionally curious ignorant peasant. So are humans causing climate change? I don't know. Let me defer the details of this debate to several esteemed scientists who would answer that question in the negative. Now, remember, the only honest answer is that it depends on who you ask. I'm sure you could find plenty of PhDs that would say that that's a no-brainer. Okay, what I'm presenting here are several PhDs that would answer that question in the negative. Now, the scientists at NASA tell us that the climate is always changing, and that's thanks to the Milankovitch cycles, right? This this transitioning between tropical eras and ice ages and back and forth again. And it's due to the Earth's wobble. It's due to the elliptical orbit around the sun, as well as interactions with other planets like Jupiter and Saturn and such. So to the social issue of climate change, which was formerly referred to as global warming, if you recall, you know, but to that issue of climate change, I want to highlight a following passage from the NASA website. Okay. It says this, quote, the greater Earth's axial tilt angle the more extreme our seasons are. Pause. Extreme weather. Where does it come from? Uh, glo- you know, man-made global warming or the greater degree of the Earth's axial tilt. It says at NASA, the gir- the Earth's axial tilt, uh, the more it's... The greater the angle, the more extreme our seasons are. So as each hemisphere receives more solar radiation during its summer, when the hemisphere is tilted toward the sun, it receives less during the winter when it's tilted away. The larger tilt angles favor periods of deglaciation, the melting and retreating of glaciers and ice sheets. Pause. Is humanity spewing CO2 into the air, causing all the glaciers to melt? Hmm, we haven't quite got that far yet, but right here it says on NASA that that comes from the tilting of the Earth. So, it goes on, it says, as the Earth's tilt decreases, it gradually helps make our seasons milder, resulting in increasingly warm winters and cooler summers that gradually, over time, allow snow and ice at high altitudes, or high latitudes, to build up into larger ice sheets. As ice cover increases, it reflects more of the sun's energy back into the space and it promotes even fu- uh, further cooler. Period. End quote. Further cooling. There you go. Period. End quote. So You know, NASA's explaining that this Earth's tilt happens and it it changes. It makes extreme weather patterns. It makes mild weather patterns. It causes ice sheets to build up and to melt. But when they do build up, then that reflects the sun and that accelerates the cooling. And this is how we get to ice ages, okay? So the Milankovitch cycles make it very clear That ice ages and the subsequent deglaciation are in fact driven by several factors that have absolutely nothing to do with human impact. That's why it's been happening much longer than human history has been recording it, okay? When the earth tilts, glaciers either form or they melt. Sea levels change. The entire planet's climate changes in a corresponding manner. Again, friends, these are facts that I believe everyone can agree on. Nobody's questioning the science on that, right? It's logical. It makes perfect sense. And so it's here, I believe, that the proponents of climate change, those who believe in the climate change, the climate crisis narrative, those who believe that humanity is causing an accelerated change in the Earth's climate, and that that's driving a catastrophic climate crisis and all that, uh, those in that camp, at this point, they would typically turn the debate to our collective carbon footprint, right? The argument is that human activities are creating so much CO2, you know, the cows and and everything else and, and industry and our gas guzzling vehicles and all that. The use of fossil fuels etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But human activities creating so much CO2 and CO2 is the main culprit of the so-called greenhouse gases and all that that it's causing catastrophic climate change. And I'm sure we've heard all the arguments many times before. So What I want to say or what I want to ask is have we questioned these arguments before, right? People will make that argument. We may deny that argument, but have we questioned the argument? Are we allowed to question these arguments? And the reason I ask that is because there are, in fact, many notable scientists who do question the premise. They question the the premise that humans are producing so much CO2 that we're destroying the planet. In other words, friends, despite popular opinion, the science on this is actually very, very far from settled. And now you may not choose to believe me, but I would suggest just go ask, uh, you know, Dr. William Happer, professor of physics at Princeton University, or per, uh, Professor Richard Linz, professor of earth, atmospheric and planetary science at MIT. Okay, these are very brilliant individuals. They are esteemed scientists and they're out there sounding the alarm about the disastrous climate agenda. As a matter of fact, they penned a 47-page letter to the Environmental Protection Agency that systematically dismantles the entire narrative. And I think you should read it. I think everyone should read it. But Uh, since most people aren't going to take the time to read a 47-page scientific letter to the EPA, let me just sum it up a little bit here to drive the point home. Again, I see the time we're going to go just a little bit long, but I think it's important that we drill down on this because these scientists, this is what they have to say. They say, quote, the scientific method proves There is no risk that fossil fuels and carbon dioxide will cause catastrophic warming and extreme weather. Period. End quote. The scientific method proves there is no risk that fossil fuels and carbon dioxide will cause catastrophic warming and extreme weather. You can go argue with them if you want, but they go on to substantiate their assertion stating that all the models that predict catastrophic global warming fail The key test of scientific method: they grossly overpredict the warming versus the actual data. I think of uh, Al Gore and his hockey stick chart. Okay, they then say 600 million years of data prove that today's CO2 level, uh, which is about 420 parts per million, is very low. Today's CO2 level is very low, not high. Okay, 600 million years of data also shows that higher levels of CO2 do not cause or even correlate with higher temperatures. Even at today's relatively low temperatures, uh, lo- I'm sorry, I'm reading here from the report. Even at today's relatively low levels, atmospheric CO2 is now heavily saturated in physics terms, meaning that additional increases in atmospheric CO2 can have little warming effect. So not only are the levels low historically over the last 600 million years, but even, even if we were to dramatically increase them, it would have a little, it would have a little, very little effect on warming the planet because of the heavily saturated atmosphere, okay? So, in, and I'm continuing on. In science, omitting contradictory data is such an egregious violation of the scientific method that it is deemed falsification, it is illustrated by what by what can be called the world is flat analysis, which involves cherry picking a limited set of favorable data and then failing to consider the contradictory evidence. Under this method, the theory that the world is flat is true if one uses only eyesight data and does not consider the vol- voluminous uh, other evidence that is around, right? Period. End quote. So... These highly educated, respected, and esteemed Ivy League professors are citing 600 million years of evidence to utterly eviscerate the narrative that CO2 from human activity is destroying the planet. They said it, not me. So if you were to read their full report, friends, you would learn that the reality is really quite the opposite. And they're not alone in saying this stuff, okay? Nobel Physics Prize winner Dr. John Clower, he was recently out. I'm sorry, Dr. John Clouser recently launched his own excoriating attack on the climate crisis narrative. He calls it a dangerous corruption of science. And that dangerous corruption of science threatens the well-being of every person on the planet. He, along with, so the Nobel Physics Prize, you know, winner this guy Dr John Clauser along with over 1000 other scientific leaders from all around the world has declared emphatically there is no climate emergency period okay thousands of distinguished and prestigious scientists have spelled it out rather bluntly they say and i quote climate science has degenerated into a discussion based on beliefs, not on sound self-critical science. Should not we ourse- should we not free ourselves from the naive belief in immature climate? models, end quote. should we not free ourselves from the naive belief in immature climate models? Should we not free ourselves from the naive belief that human beings are destroying the planet by spewing unsustainable amounts of carbon into the atmosphere? Should we not free ourselves from the naive belief that human activity is having a greater impact on the climate than planetary forces playing out over millions of years? Friends, am I in denial of human-caused climate change? Absolutely not. The government has been intentionally and clandestinely changing the climate for decades. So, am I in denial of man made global warming? No. I am denying the narrative. I am denying the lies that suggest humanity is destroying the planet. And on that note, I am clearly in good company. Friends, attempting to deny that would be the epitome of denial itself. And that is the message of my heart for today. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to the website, click the heart, and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with every climate cultist that you know. Get out there and embrace this fabulous Friday. Have a wonderful weekend, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.